Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Heads up, folks. We're going to be talking about IVF and the emotional and physical toll it can take on the would-be parents. If this is something that may upset you, please, please take care of yourself and feel free to skip this episode. Fertility Network UK have a list of regional support groups and a support line that you might find useful, so please check them out at fertilitynetworkuk.org. Okay, we're going to start the show. How do you make a baby? It's easy, right? It happens all the time, and for many people, when they least expect it. But what happens when you really want that baby, but nothing is happening. This is episode two of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide and I'm Jandela Benson, head of editorial at Black Ballad. Last episode we spoke about when to decide to have a baby and this episode we're going to talk about what happens when you've decided you're ready but your body isn't being so cooperative. I was a typical little girly girl. I you know, loved my dolls, my push chairs, all those kind of little role play things, mums and dads kind of thing. So in my mind, it was always like, you know, like that Disney princess kind of life, mm. you know, Cinderella was my favourite. And it was, yeah, like imagine getting married and just having a family. I wasn't really, not that I wasn't thinking about my career, but yeah, I just, I remember thinking from a very young age that, yeah, I cannot wait to have a family of my own, yeah. That's Grace. She's 31 and lives in London, although she's originally from Derby, if you couldn't tell from her lovely accent. Like many of us, she had her life planned out. She knew what she wanted and when she wanted it by. thought I'd be married by 23, have a first child by 26. Just thought it would just be simple, really. So as soon as I got to 23 and then I was like okay I'm not meeting this life goal (laughs) like it it felt I felt a little bit of pressure I Mm. can now say life don't go the way that you think it's gonna go but yeah I I would say that was like my timeline when I was younger I thought that's the age I was gonna be definitely I think the pressure came from myself and maybe seeing people around me actually seeing more of my peers getting married yeah, kind of put more pressure on myself. Like I wanted to get married even more. I wanted to have kids straight away to where in some ways I kind of feel maybe, maybe I did kind of, I wouldn't say I pressured my husband. I think I probably, (laughs) I was kind of persuasive 
to try and try for a family I think men think differently in in regards to that anyway but I was definitely like yeah like I'm not saying that we we didn't intentionally try for a child but it was if it happens then yeah like I'm cool with that like I I would like to be a young mom have lots of energy you know for my child I mean I don't think it matters how old you are when you have children I've learned you know you, you just burn energy when you've got children regardless of how old you are but yeah I did feel like the younger I was like before 30 like I need to have children that was in my mind yeah get married yeah let's let's have children definitely so you have two consenting adults in a loving relationship who are ready to start having children that's obviously the perfect start to your path to parenthood right what could go wrong I think if I'm honest I was probably a bit naive in the fact that I didn't even think about there being issues getting pregnant I just thought I'm still young I'm below 30 and I think I was of the mind that well I wouldn't have issues until I'm like say over 35 so I kind of thought yeah like it's not going to take long I knew that it wouldn't necessarily be within the first month I was aware that you know some women it takes it takes a couple of months for them to conceive so within our first year of being married and um trying but then I say trying to conceive but it wasn't stressful it wasn't like okay we've got to have a baby this month this month kind of Mm. thing it was just like if it's you know kind of like I guess we were just expecting it to happen and then as months went by I was more like okay recording my body temperature Mm -hmm. and started to look a bit more into diet what else did I do and I think I got ovulation tests as well yeah at one point I got ovulation tests as well so gradually as the months were going it was just playing on my mind I'm like okay I've got to do this I've got to do this to Mm. make it happen kind of thing which did bring more stress if I'm honest we did have pressure from like family so it wasn't just necessarily that I had the pressure from myself wanting to Mm. conceive we did have pressure even from people that were not necessarily related but expecting you because you're you know you're married now and I remember being at like weddings and, you know, aunties and uncles coming up and saying, oh, where's where's this baby? And that kind of thing. And although it's it's all meant well, it's not meant to offend. But because, you know, naturally anyone who is in a, in a long term relationship, like that's what you expect. But at the same time, like, although it wasn't meant to hurt, it did hurt because actually people don't realize that you are actually trying and it's it's as if the assumption is made that oh because you've not conceived yet oh maybe maybe they're just focusing on their career or maybe they have all these other goals but actually that's not necessarily the case you don't know why a couple haven't conceived and you know they haven't got pregnant yet and I think sometimes people can be too quick to like make comments And again, although a lot of the time it's probably not meant to hurt or to offend. However, that said, I do know people who have had, you know, a lot of kind of comments where it's it doesn't sound like it's it was meant not not to offend, if you get me. Um, But yeah, like I think people just need to be kind and just think before they speak. I think nowadays it's fortunately becoming a lot more common or a lot more we're being a lot more open about it 
And hopefully with that, people are just going to start considering the fact that they don't know what journey a couple are on before they kind of make the assumption that, you know, they just don't want children because that's probably not it. Grace then began doing a bit of research into fertility and women's health in general to see if there were any tips she could pick up that might help her increase her chances at conceiving. But watching people around her getting pregnant left, right and centre made things really hard. I gradually started to kind of like have feelings towards people, you know, that, oh, like, why are they conceiving now? And they've only just got married or whatever and Mm. I'm not conceiving yet. And I kind of felt in some ways, I guess my feelings weren't, yeah, I guess I had feelings of jealousy in some way because they had gotten pregnant before me. I didn't really feel like there was anyone I could really talk to because I didn't want it to look like, you know, I I was still happy for people that were getting pregnant Mm. and I didn't want it to look like I was resentful towards people. You know, this is a, this is a beautiful thing that they've got, but I kind of internalized it and made it like, but like, what about me kind of thing? So I would talk to my husband about it and, you know, gradually as time was going on, like I did speak to my husband, but, I did keep a lot of things to myself and a lot of the feelings that I started to feel, you know, just thinking, what if something's wrong with me? And there wasn't anyone that I felt that I could turn to. And I probably, there probably would have been someone if I'd reached out, but I just didn't feel like, you know, again, I remember having a couple of friends who were pregnant during the time. And I thought, well, if I just mention it to them, it's like, I don't want to burden them with my burden and, make them feel bad because they're pregnant and I'm not. Whenever I saw someone that was pregnant, it was kind of hard to, I guess, hide how I was feeling, I think. I would, I would, you know, again, I'm happy for friends that are getting pregnant, but because I'm not, it was very hard to hide how I was feeling, I feel. Like, I, I don't know if in some ways it might not have come across as genuine, and which is a real shame. Official guidance says that if you've been trying to conceive unsuccessfully for 12 months, you should start seeking medical advice. According to Black Ballad's motherhood survey conducted earlier this year, 52% of us waited two years or more before doing this. Grace approached her GP after 14 months of not conceiving and finally got a referral to a fertility specialist after 16 months or so, which of course was a relief but just going to her appointments presented other obstacles to overcome. The reception is like the wait, you've got a waiting area where you go to like, you know, say that you've arrived for your appointment is also the early pregnancy uh, waiting area. So that was really, really hard. Like, oh my gosh, like sometimes I would arrive and it's just like, just fighting back tears. Unless you're like, you know, trying for a baby, you realise that you're not getting pregnant. Like, you know nothing about infertility unless you have to go for it, unless you're going through, you know, those issues. So I didn't know anything and I'd had no problems with my periods or, or, you know, my menstrual cycle throughout my teens, you know, throughout my early adulthood. Like, so for me, it was like, okay, so do I have underlying issues that I know nothing about and I'm here and you're talking to me like I should kind of know what you're talking about kind of thing and it was very overwhelming because you're already in a very you know you're emotionally and mentally on a downward spiral because even the fact that you've got to this point 
is kind of like you, you didn't imagine that you'd get have to get to that point anyway so it's kind of like the uncertainty and the fear of like what's to come so it's sort of quite overwhelming to like get all the medical terminology that they're giving you and then just managing your own emotions at the same time it was difficult Grace knew a bit about the various underlying things that can cause fertility issues in women, such as polycystic ovary syndrome and endometriosis. So when she and her husband were given the diagnosis of unexplained infertility, aka there's no reason that we can see why you shouldn't be able to get pregnant, there was relief, but also confusion. It's such a difficult diagnosis in that there's, Basically, the standard testing in NHS doesn't kind of give you everything that it could be. So Mm -hmm. unexplained infertility from the research that I have looked at briefly has shown, you know, there could be issues with like, like autoimmune issues, issues that is not picked up basically through the standard testing. And so that kind of changed my thoughts. And it was like, okay, so the doctor was saying you know there's no reason why we shouldn't get pregnant but then actually looking into it a bit more there could be other underlying issues that are hindering us from conceiving that we would probably need to go privately but they didn't explain that to us like that's something Mm. that, that we were having to find out ourselves so even now it's kind of like okay can we still get pregnant naturally or Mm. are we still going to have to go through, you know, if we want a second child, are we still having to go through assisted conception? So for unexplained infertility, there's a lot of uncertainty about if you can conceive naturally or not. But initially, before Grace looked into the limits of NHS fertility testing, they decided to continue trying to conceive. After all, the doctors had told them that there was no medical reason why they shouldn't be able to. There was a lot of emotional, mental strain, just a, a lot of strain on our relationship as well at this point. It felt like we agreed that, you know, we would try and conceive naturally for about six months until going back to be referred for sister's conception. And I was so convinced that no, that's not going to have to happen to us. Like, no, I'm not going to have to go through that route. And again, it's something that I didn't, really look into like IVF but then I had started to have a look like what does that involve if these six months are up and we decide to be referred it really took a strain on like intimacy in our relationship because it was kind of like well you know we've got to conceive (laughs) like this month we've got to conceive like and so it was almost like being intimate just to conceive yeah like actually it can take the enjoyment out of it, but you're not just thinking about conceiving. You're also thinking about your reproductive health and, okay, is there something wrong with me? Is there something wrong with him? And that feeling of like, isn't this what my body's supposed to do? Like my body's supposed to make babies. Like that's what I thought about when I was a little girl. Like I couldn't wait for this moment of being a mom, but in one way the doctor's saying it shouldn't be an issue but then it could be and it's it's like yeah you're trying to relax through that time and I think we actually went on holiday I'm sure we went on holiday just to kind of help relax us um, and just to like recuperate but 
you still got those thoughts in your mind and and they just can't help but play on you like even when you're just trying to enjoy it so the six months were up and it was like okay like let's let's go for it to be referred so as much as we felt it was going to be a positive moment it it probably wasn't it probably I can definitely say for my emotional and mental well-being like I was in a really low place at that point and I know that they say that stress can hinder your chances of getting pregnant so maybe in some ways maybe did I bring stress on myself I don't know it's very hard to relax especially after having gone through the testing and I think as well like I said earlier I was naive at the fact that I thought that with me being under 30 I wouldn't have issues mm-hmm. getting pregnant and um, so all these thoughts that I'd had before it was like oh well that's not true like you know um, you know it doesn't matter how old you are you know I had an I have an auntie who who had her two kid, her two younger children you know to coming up to 40 um, with no issues and you just don't know every woman's different so um, age really is nothing but a number I'm Sandra and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Deciding to go for IVF is a decision that can be made in the moment. But the actual process can be long and a whole other emotional roller coaster. You know, I feel like if I'm honest, it's so just as I'm talking about it, I really feel like this is a point in my life that I've kind of blocked out because as I'm talking about it now, you know, it was not long ago. My son is like 21 months. I probably have blocked this part out of my mind, like since having my son. I think you're not able to, you're kind of going through all these practical procedures and you're not dealing with your emotions. You're just kind of like doing what you can to get pregnant, but emotionally, you're just not dealing with it. And that, I mean, that's something that's definitely been highlighted since like after. After having my son, sorry. Oh my gosh. No, 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 no. 
fine it's absolutely fine because obviously people don't know that and maybe there are people listening to this who might also feel the same but I've never been able to like vocalize it or talk about it so it's important so when I say I, I think I blocked I've blocked it out in the fact that you know you just got your back and forth I, I don't know how many times I, I went within it was not long to be fair because when you're referred they have to make sure that you begin your IVF process at least three months after being referred they really were on onto it it wasn't a long waiting process now might be a good time to mention the official NICE guidelines around IVF and there's a bit of bureaucratic jargon to explain. First of all, NICE stands for National Institute for Health and Care Excellence and it's an organisation that provides national guidance and advice to improve health and social care. Clinical commissioning groups or CCGs are the ones actually in charge of the hospital and community NHS services that are available in a particular local area. Now, according to NICE guidelines, women under 40 are entitled to three rounds of IVF on the NHS, but the Fertility Fairness 2017 report showed that only 12% of CCGs offer the full three cycles, with the vast majority of them only offering one. What's worse is that there are some CCGs, like mine, that do not offer IVF at all. What you get access to depends on where you live and this is what we mean when we talk about a postcode lottery. This continues when it comes to who is deemed eligible for IVF treatment or not. Now the Department of Health says that IVF should be offered as long as one member of the couple does not have any biological children but 81% of CCGs will not offer IVF to any couple where one is already a biological parent even if that child is from a previous relationship with a previous partner. But yeah, even if you do manage to get the rounds of IVF that you should have, the process is not fun. Grace said that some of the tests she was meant to have were so excruciating and she believes that they affected her emotional health even more. You are given like hormone injections that you have to take at least a week or two, I think from about a week and a half before the egg retrieval, so the egg collection. Mm. So that's having to inject yourself. So they teach you how to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think when that when I had to do that, it was very much like, okay, let's just do it. Like I didn't want to give myself chance to think about it. I just wanted to get on with it. It wasn't easy. I think people with diabetes have to inject themselves, don't they? And so this for me was just within a week or so it was still hard it was really hard like once in the morning once in the afternoon I think and that restricted how you know if you wanted to go out or if friends had events or whatever you know you know a birthday or something it was very restricting because well at this time you have to take an injection so Mm. you know you're gonna do that when you're out so that week was or week or so was just like a I'm not available the clinic are constantly like calling you um, every so many days just to check how you're feeling and then the day comes when you are going in for the egg retrieval the point of the injections is to stimulate your ovaries so that you produce more eggs at a faster rate now women can respond differently to that they give you different doses depending on what your test results were before 
and again there wasn't much concern in regards to my testing as was you know shown before without unexplained infertility so I was on quite a low dose however in regards to the yes with the hormones my body overstimulated because of that I developed OHSS which stands for ovarian hyperstimulation syndrome which is a common risk to women that have IVF so that is when you're like yeah you're basically oversensitive to the hormones and it's just can cause like complications with your abdomen area you know you can get fluid I had fluid on my abdomen really extreme bloating. Due to the OHSS Grace had to wait longer than normal for the next stage, the embryo transfer, to take place. Where usually it would take place five days after the egg retrieval, Grace had to wait four months. But despite the physical toll of the process, she did say that the healthcare professionals were caring and understanding. Fortunately, it was the assisted conception unit, so everyone there is there for the same reason. But, you know, you've got a waiting area. It's kind of, it's quiet, but... I personally, I mean, I can only speak for myself. I know that I've spoken with other women whose experience is so different to mine. But at the hospital that we were at, I can say that it just felt so much more comfortable in comparison to being at our home hospital where we were in that early pregnancy unit. Just knowing that there are people around or couples around us who understand the journey and the, the staff there are just so caring and they just, they understand where, well, for us, they, I, I felt, I say for us, I say more so for me, because I think sometimes health professionals are talking to the woman because she's going through the procedure, but not always acknowledging that actually, you know, your partner is also going through this as well. And it's often the partner who's trying to be strong for the, you know, his wife, or you know girlfriend or whatever it is and he's not able to deal with his emotions either yeah that's kind of difficult as well because yes as women yeah we are the ones going through the procedure but you know you're in this together as well you know what I mean that like you both want the child it's not just you. Thankfully Grace's first round of IVF was successful and despite the trauma and the complications she had experienced before when it came time for the embryo to be transferred it was an amazing experience for her and her husband. You're seeing your embryo like be inserted and you can see it and it's like it's just amazing it's like a flash of lightning like on the screen I don't know it's just mad obviously you have to wait for implantation I can see how traumatic that would be for women who, where it's not successful because you've seen that go back into you. I honestly don't know how I would have been had it not been successful. And for a lot of women, I know that first time it's not. So I'm really fortunate that it was. I had a real positive pregnancy. Like, you know, with IVF pregnancies, there's a lot of like risks that can follow like uh, preeclampsia, gestational mm. diabetes. Yeah, and I guess you could say that I had a real straightforward pregnancy. You know, with, with IVF pregnancies, you are seen maybe, well, I was seen, I can't speak for everyone. Again, there's different procedures at different hospitals, but I was seen maybe a couple of other times than, you know, normal pregnancy just to check on 
things that where where it could be a risk because of it being an IVF pregnancy but there was no concerns for me so um, I'm really thankful about that again I was in a a research uh, Zoom call the other day with some women who, or all the women had, who had had IVF pregnancies, and the amount of stories that there were where they'd had complications in pregnancy. Once you finish at the assisted conception unit and you're referred back over to the normal pregnancy department, I think there's not enough information that's kind of like transferred over. By the sounds of it, it's as if you know you're treated a bit more like it's just a normal pregnancy whereas actually it's not and I think Mm -hmm. there needs to be more that's being taken seriously which is why this research is taking place again my experience wasn't like that and I'm sure if it was had it not been successful how I would have felt like during that time and during pregnancy with IVF like you know you're already on an emotional roller coaster then you get pregnant and it's as if like for anyone who knows that you've gone down that route it's like oh great like you know this is what you wanted kind of thing but Mm -hmm. it doesn't heal like the scars that you went you know that you were scarred with on that journey like Mm. yes you have yes you're pregnant now but you still have to heal you've got a lot of healing to do and I think like I said for me I'm I'm thankful that I had a, a pretty normal pregnancy but had I not it would have just really I think it would have just affected my emotional health even more and you know my son is 21 months and I think it's since he's been born that I've actually started to really deal with the effects on my emotional health and my mental health like I know that you know it's all very physical in regards to the testing that you have and the procedures but yeah I think you can your body can kind of recover from that and it's internally that you are you have you know a lot of internal scars that you have to deal with I'm really really grateful that Grace was open to speak with me about her experience she's a friend but we've never actually directly talked about what IVF was like for her and if I'm being honest I feel bad to know that she was going through all of this and I had no idea and never even thought to ask her about it until now as I'm talking about it, I can definitely say that I think it continues to highlight a lot of things that I've not dealt with on the journey. And that's probably also because I'm at a point where I would like, you know, my son to have siblings. And as we think about, you know, my son having siblings, it's like, okay, how does that happen? You know, are we still going to go down this route again or or can that happen naturally? And I think it's kind of like, do I, will the next time be like it was before? Or it doesn't have to be. And I think I know what to expect if we were to have to do it again. But um, yeah, it's just interesting. Culture and religion play such an important role in shaping our ideas around fertility, conception and motherhood. It's often these ideas that can make topics taboo or not. So I'm a Christian and a lot of the reason why I was so sure that I wouldn't have to go down that route was because, well, God's going to make it happen for me. So, you know, he wouldn't let me have to go through that kind of thing. And so I, I did spend a lot of time praying about that. And it is difficult because, you know, there are a lot of ethical reasons to why people don't go down that route. And 
again, even now, like, you know, I have frozen embryos and it's like, are they seen as a life now? Or when do you see it as a life? And that's something that my husband and I have had lots of discussions about. And I think that's something that couples, it's personal to them and their decision. And and I think for me, when we were going through the procedure, I was thankful that, you know, I, I did, I probably felt the procedure itself, as much as like the journey to get there had caused a lot of heartache, I did feel peace going into the procedure. Like it was difficult and get me wrong, but there was some kind of peace that I felt. And and I can't say I wasn't anxious because I think anyone who's going, you know, who's going to be under anaesthetic and ha- is having some kind of surgery or, you know, at a hospital, it, it's nerve wracking. And there's risks to your health but there was a piece that I felt and yeah I felt that it was it was right for us to do this as I start to think about you know having siblings or having another child I want to be in a better place you know I don't and I don't know if pregnancy will again look like going down that route again or if that will be a natural conception the experience of you know how I felt before I wouldn't want, you know, if we were having to go and uh, use our frozen embryos, you know, I want to be in a better place mentally. What that looks like, you know, I think I can definitely say that my marriage has had loads of heat. Like we're in a better, uh, an amazing place now, like compared to what we were during and after. And I wouldn't say that we kind of actively were like, okay, look, this is what's happening. We're not in a good place. Let's get better. I think, I think we knew that we weren't in a good place though. Mm. And we knew there were areas that we needed to work on. And it's just kind of been gradual over time, as they say, time as a healer. So that's really, that's been really positive. But I think for, for me personally, I have to realize that I am still a woman and regardless of like how I conceive I'm no less of a woman if we have to go down the route of assisted conception and that was a big thing that affected me I think it's kind of gaining my confidence back in who I am and my identity and not allowing the journey itself to become my identity that makes sense Mm. And maybe that's because, again, going back to the start, being that little girl, remembering myself walking around the street with my little twin pushchair and my twin dolls. And that was the, you know, that was me mimicking myself as an adult. And yeah, I guess it all comes from that, just that little girl wanting that. But I'm still Grace and um, I think it's just finding out, you know, just looking at my identity and that kind of thing. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Black Ballad Presents The Survival Guide. Please rate and review us in Apple Podcasts so more people can find the show. And also please subscribe wherever you usually listen to podcasts and come back next week. Now, if anything that we've spoken about today has affected you in any way, please do contact Fertility Network UK and find out what support there is available for you. That's fertilitynetworkuk.org. This episode was written by me, Jandela Benson, and produced by Christina Moore from Don't Skip.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.